Well, I'm going to give about a 30-second review of last week's message. We started this Not a Fan series, and some of the people, if you, how many, if you've got a bracelet that says Not a Fan on it, have you had anybody ask you what in the world that means? Yeah, if you wear it, you're going to get asked, I guarantee it. Be ready to give an answer. What does it mean? A fan, by definition, according to Webster, is an enthusiastic admirer. How many of you are planning on watching the Vikings play? Do they play today? Johnny, did they play today? <laughs> well, there's a lot of enthusiastic admirers. You know, we get excited when the Vikings do well. When they don't do so well, we complain and criticize. So get ready for that, too. But an admirer. Jesus never called anybody to be an enthusiastic admirer. If you are, that's okay. But what he called us to be is followers of his. So what we're really focusing on in these number of weeks, what does it mean to truly be a completely committed follower of Jesus Christ, not just a fan? So last week we, we really focused on fan or follower, and we really talked about it. Today, the, the part two, if you would, is the title of it is simply an open invitation. An open invitation. Now, I'm sure you're like me, all of us, we get stuff in the mail or we listen to commercials on TV that says things like, anybody who wants a free telephone, just fill us out, call this number, and we'll give you a free Verizon telephone. And you call and you discover, wait a minute, what anyone means is, anyone who wants to upgrade and pay a whole lot more money can get a new phone. One of my favorites is I get all this mail. I'm a DISH customer, DISH network. And I get this thing and it says, DISH, free this, free this, free upgrade, free that, and free the other thing. And I'm going, all right, we don't have all that stuff. Well, I call them up and they say, no, it's not really for anyone. It's for only new customers. Well, what I do then is I say, I quit. Would you like me back? (laughs) Darren taught me that. (laughs) So I become a new customer. Well, that's beside the point. The point is, anyone isn't anyone again. You have to be a certain something to be able to get this freebie. If any of you collect points on your credit card, you can travel anywhere you want to go, any place, anytime. Anybody can do this until you call in. And then you discover you must not be anyone. And you certainly can't go anytime and anywhere in any seat you want. All of this stuff, and it, it trains us to realize that there's just a lot of false advertising out there. And if we're not careful, we take that same type of thinking when we read things in the Scripture. And the Scripture that I want to focus on again today is Luke 9, 23. Hopefully by the time we're through, you'll be able to say this thing frontwards and backwards, and you could even start in the middle and work your way out. Luke 9, 23. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily. There's that anyone again. Anyone. Jesus is extending an invitation to all potential followers. And he says, anyone. If you want to come to me, anyone. You can do this. Anyone is welcome. Some of us go, yeah, right. There's got to be a catch. There's got to be some hidden price here somewhere because we've been so trained by our our advertising culture in this country. Make sure you read the small print. Well, unless you get a big Bible, it's already small, right? 
There is no other small print. Jesus is saying anyone who wants to do this is invited. And for the people, and again, Jewish culture, and we're going to try to take a, a step back in time again to that Bible times in the Jewish culture. Now, some of you that are familiar with the Scriptures and the Gospels, you know that Jesus was often referred to as a rabbi, right? Rabbi. Rabbi simply was a teacher, a teacher of, of God's Word. And at that time, the teacher, they, they taught the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. And the prophets, they taught this. And Jesus was being called a, a rabbi. But it's interesting, if you know a little bit about the culture of that time, if you were one who came across Jesus and his followers, you'd have looked at him and said, I'm not sure this rabbi's up to snuff. Because they'd have took one look at his followers, and you know, they'd see a couple fishermen and some political activists, and, and they're going to see this guy who's a tax collector, and they're like, what in the world? Anyone? A rabbi. A rabbi in those times had what were referred to as their Talmud. A student. And when they had their group of students, it was called a Talmidim. A Talmidim. So if you wanted to be a follower of someone, you would become a Talmid, a student. And you would be part of the larger group, the Talmidim. And it was kind of like, maybe in our culture, trying to apply to get into Harvard or Yale or one of those really elite schools. The kind of schools that I could have never, ever got into. Because you probably have to start with making sure you got a 4-0 so you get in. And then you take that ACT test thing and you got to get a 34-5-6. And you could multiply mine a couple different numbers and not get there. <laughs> and you take that SAT, which thank goodness they didn't have when I was young. And I, what are you supposed to score in that? 2,600, 1,800? I don't even know. But it's got to be up there. Well, to get into a, an elite Talmudim, in other words, to get in with one of the good rabbis, you had to qualify. You had to apply. You weren't invited. You had to apply. And the, the rabbi would run you through some tests and questions. You know, you got to remember, by the time you were 12 or 13 and, and a Jewish boy, you could quote the first five books of the Bible. You memorized them. You understood the prophets. And they'd ask you questions. What's it say? How many times is the Lord's name used in Leviticus 15? Shoot, where's Leviticus, Right? They'd have to know these things. And most of them didn't get in. And they wouldn't let you in. They wouldn't just take anybody because your reputation was dependent upon your Talmud, your students. Man, if you had the, the top of the class, you had the cream of the crop, that meant you were the man. You were the rabbi. So you can look at it in that culture. Here's Jesus walking around and, and they're calling him rabbi, meaning teacher. And then they're looking at his... Talmudim, and they're seeing some of these disciples, and they would be scratching their heads saying, how in the world did they get in? They're motley-looking crew, and as it goes on, they just get worse-looking. But Jesus is really changing the culture. He's changing the system. And it was probably most clearly driven home with Matthew. And we're going to have my assistant teacher give us a quick teaching, I think. When Jesus said to Matthew, follow me, he was making it clear that his invitation to follow is not just anyone who's ever looked in the mirror and said to themselves, I can't believe what I've become. 
anyone can follow. Anyone is welcome. The invitations to anyone. And Matthew, and if some of you were at crew the last week, I talked about this at the crew meeting, but most of us weren't, we're too old. But Matthew, his name was Levi originally. He was a Jew. But something happened. He evidently didn't get into the rabbi school that he wanted to get into or whatever. He made some bad choices. If you know Levi's story, what he ultimately did was he chose to serve himself instead of serve God. And he became a tax collector for the Roman government. And man, when he made that choice, he might have been making some money because the tax collectors, there was no such thing as an honest tax collector. (laughs) Sounds familiar. No. There was no such thing. Because they'd steal from their own people and line their pockets. And Matthew was one of them, and, and they would become such an outcast in their culture, they were even considered ceremonially unclean by the Jews. Meaning they couldn't even get into the outer courts of the temple. They were pretty much hated. You know who they'd hang around with? Other tax collectors, thieves, prostitutes, people they could connect with. And so one day, can you imagine the scene when Matthew is sitting in his tax booth, collecting taxes, probably heard of this amazing rabbi who'd been doing all kinds of amazing things around Capernaum, and and that's where he was at, and, and all of a sudden he's heard of this miracle worker, this amazing teacher, this new rabbi, and here comes Jesus walking right towards his tax booth. Now you can probably imagine the religious people of the day If they were following at all, they're wondering, well, this will be interesting. They're already a little confused because his Talmudim doesn't look that good. And he stops in front of Matthew, and I, I try to picture in my mind, what would Matthew be thinking at that instant? I'm a Jew. I memorized the word for first five books by the time I was 12 or 13, and I've screwed up big time. And here he stands, this teacher of the law, the teacher of the word, and he's looking right at me, and I'm guessing his eyes probably were piercing right to the soul of Matthew. And I'm sure no one expected the words that came out of Jesus' mouth. And what were they? Follow me. Follow me. What a picture for these people to confirm the invitation of Jesus that says anyone who would come after me, anyone. Here is this despised and hated tax collector. And what did he do? He walked out of that tax collector's booth, and from that day forward, it says he began to follow Jesus. Matter of fact, it's cool if you compare the stories in the Gospels, you'll find in one of them it says, in all of them it talks about him going to this house with all the other tax collectors and sinners. But if you read through it, you'll find out, you know whose house that was? Matthew, he'd invited Jesus to his house and he came in with all the other sinners, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, the thieves that were there, whoever it was. And boy, did it tick off the religious leaders. Because they didn't understand Jesus' invitation really meant anyone can come and follow me. Anyone. Now, I feel a little bit like I'm preaching to the choir here because I really feel that this church does an amazing job at opening up their arms 
to anyone. But some of us still might wrestle with some of these thoughts in our mind, and I can guarantee you a lot of other churches do, and churches I grew up in were a little bit this way. But that idea of anyone can be a little bit hard to buy into. We like the same. We don't like changes. We don't like things that are different. And because we like the same, same has a tendency to all of a sudden become something that it shouldn't, and that it becomes the standard. Now, I know our culture has changed, but boy, the church I grew up in, you wore your suit and tie, and the ladies wore their dresses. Little kids were all dressed up as best they could be. And you walked in, you sat down, and you shut up. (laughs) Oakley just gives me one quick look. (laughs) That's one of the S words you're not supposed to say. You be very quiet when you walk in the church. That was the standard. And everybody kind of looked the same. And if you're not careful, the same not only becomes a standard, it becomes a qualification. It's amazing over the years. I have people, been, have people that I've talked to, and I know some of you have because you relayed the stories to me. One of the questions, they'll, they'll say, God, it'd be, I, I kind of like to come to your church, but I don't have any really good clothes. I said, gee, I'm glad because you'd look really out of place if you came in really good clothes. <laughs> you know, they've got this mindset that I don't, ha- I don't look good enough to come to your church. I've had people in this community and other communities say, I've heard about your church, but is it true? You have to give 20% of your income to come? <laughs> and we're starting that today, by the way. <laughs> It's like, what are you talking about? Uh, We heard you're the rich church. Congratulations, you're all rich. Like, well, in the spirit we might be, but I tell you what, there isn't much in my account. But it becomes a standard. You got to look a certain way, be a certain. Can you? I got this. I got this colored ink on my arm and my neck. And if I took my shirt off, you wouldn't believe what I got there. Can I come with a tattoo? We set qualifications. Churches have done this to people for years. And it's still happening. Jesus said anyone can come. We do not want to have this unwritten code that you've got to look or be a certain way to qualify to get in. Jesus is our rabbi. He is our teacher. He is the one we are followers of. And Jesus said anyone who wishes to can come. Man, that's what needs to be over every church door. Anyone can come. Anyone means everyone. Everyone is welcome. That's what Jesus is saying. This unwritten code. Man, there used to be a lot of them, and I hope we have none of them. But, you know, dress codes, we've touched on that. Um, Oh, this is another one that I've been... Well, I come to your church, but... And then they, I still drink wine once in a while. Oh, my God. Sorry. You're out. Matter of fact, you're going to hell. Who says these things? Sexual orientation. Anyone is welcome. Prison record. Anyone is welcome. 
All of a sudden, this list of qualifications, this unwritten code is really, really getting challenged in a church. And we pray that it's never that way in this church. Anyone is welcome. I mean, there's, I, I've even had people yet, can you imagine this, in the year 2012, people will say, I'd like to come to your church. Can I come in? I'm divorced. Really? Nope. <laughs> That's 70% of the population. We don't want anything to do with them. Jesus said anyone. And if he's taken a tax collector, the most hated person in, in Capernaum, and says, come on, follow me. And then he walks in and he's, he reclines at the table with Matthew and all his friends, the prostitutes, the thieves, and the other tax collectors. And it's such an interesting picture because who got really ticked off? Who did I say got really ticked off? The religious people. The religious people. They had a whole long list of qualifications. Shoot, they had a written code, not just an unwritten one. But Jesus said anyone, and when he said anyone, he meant everyone. You know, and when Jesus didn't get rid of the qualifications, this is kind of cool, he got rid of all the excuses. He got rid of all the excuses. When I hear somebody trying to say they're not qualified, what they're really doing is giving me their excuse for not wanting to come. Now, I'm not talking about just come to church. What we're talking about here is, what's our excuse that's holding us back from becoming a fully, completely committed follower of Jesus Christ? What's our excuse? If he removes all the qualifications... Gee, back in the Jewish day, well, I'd love to become one of the, the Talmud, one of the students of you as a rabbi, but, you know, I got a job. You don't understand, I'm a housewife, I got three kids. I can't come follow you. I don't qualify according to our culture or anything else. Jesus says, forget all that. Everybody come. He says, bring the kids. Come on. Ladies, come on. Everybody, come on. Anyone, follow me. And he removed the excuses. What's our excuse? We have them, don't we? Probably number one in most of our minds is, it's too busy, I'm too busy. I'm really too busy. You're too busy for what? How many of you could commit to give me three and a half hours of prayer and Bible study this week? Don't even raise your hands. I'd be discouraged. (laughs) But I hope... If you're going to watch the Vikings this afternoon, you can squeeze three and a half hours into your schedule to do something that would edify you. And I'm not trying to condemn any of us because I hope to watch as much of the game as I can. But the point is, what are my priorities? What excuses do I have? Uh, We're going through some really tough time with my marriage right now. Man, That's not an excuse to not develop a relationship with the Lord. That's that's a reason to develop a relationship with the Lord. I'm having trouble with my kids. We've got to focus on that for a season. Forget it. Focus on Jesus and watch what happens in your kids. It'll be amazing. We have all these excuses. Not us, but some other people, right? You don't understand. I've got all this baggage. I've I've been a drug addict for 27 years. I've been married three times. I've got eight kids with six different women. I can't. Sorry. Anyone. Anyone. 
the excuses are gone. That's the beauty of removing the qualifications. Anyone can come. Anyone is welcome. Jesus gets rid of all the excuses. Now, if you're like me, you might be thinking, man, that could get really messy. You know, it's so neat and tidy when everybody comes in and is wearing their suit and tie and the ladies are in their dresses and the kids are all decked out looking just like mom and dad and they all sit down and they fold their hands in their lap and no one moves. And we're saying, heck, bring anybody. Go out in the streets. Anybody. Go to the bars. Anybody. Go to the prisons. Anybody. You know what? It's going to get messy, isn't it? Yeah, praise God, Yeah. It's going to get messy. But if we're not careful, we, some of us, don't like mess. Matter of fact, fans really don't like mess. Fans like comfortable. They like things to, to go smoothly. They, they like the fact that they know what's going to happen next. Followers, on the other hand, they're ready to break all unwritten codes. Jesus broke all the codes. We need to break them. We need to to not just tolerate people. We need to love people. You know, when they come in, the unlovable, we need to love them. That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus would want us to do. You know, and they're going to be hard to tolerate sometimes. Heck, I'm hard to tolerate sometimes. Go ahead. (laughs) I usually get a loud amen up here. You know... We're all hard to tolerate sometimes. There's times when you're not lovable and neither am I. So what? You're still qualified because there's no qualifications. Now, there was a time I would have thought like this, and some of you maybe do, but I know in some churches they for sure do. A response going on in someone's head right now would be something like, Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We can't just let anyone into our church. We cannot just let people show up and invite them into God's family. We can't do that. We can't let them come in and tolerate anything that they want. That's unbiblical. You're right. It is unbiblical. But only part of that was unbiblical. I'm not saying that we condone anything and any behavior. I'm not saying that we tolerate sin. It's our obligation out of love for the Lord and out of love for other people to teach people what the Bible says about sin, right and wrong. How disobedience brings cursing into your life. Obedience to the word brings blessing into your life. Most people are seekers. We've probably got a lot of seekers in here yet who are trying to figure out this whole Christianity thing. And, and if they've got biases that have been formed from something other than the God, word, word of God, it, it's a real barrier. What we need to do is realize love drives us to share the truth with people. But it needs to be done in love. So we're not to condone every type of behavior, but there's going to be bad behavior. Expect it. Who do you want in church? The drunks, the drug addicts, the liars, the thieves, the adulterers, the homosexuals. Who do you want in church? Or do you want a whole bunch of Christians that look good? Well, I hope you'd said that first group. 
And now you can see how messy it's going to be. And that's why the religious people of Jesus' days were so upset with Jesus. He was ruining their gatherings by inviting all of these unlovable, intolerable sinners to come and follow me. And they didn't like it. And we need to guard our hearts and guard our minds as followers of Jesus. That's the way we want to be. Followers, you know, there's some of us here, and I know it's kind of a normal thing, but there's some of us here that have lifestyles that other people don't even want to hear about. It makes them really uncomfortable if they knew your whole story. Make you uncomfortable if you knew my whole story. And we I don't think I want to go there. But you know what? As a follower of Jesus Christ, not only do we want to hear their stories and listen to what they have to say, we, we hear their stories of brokenness. We hear the things that have gone in their lives and we still welcome them and love them because it stirs the compassion of Jesus Christ in us to want to reach out and wrap our arms around them and lead them to the cross. That's what it should be like. That's what it should do. Followers, followers. Now, having said all of that, the next point that we're going to close with is crucial. Okay? Because if you read that verse, and if you want to just jump back if you can, I don't know how hard that is, to, all the way back to the Scripture. Go back, uh, I don't know. Am I making you nervous? Oh, she's good. If you read that verse, you might read it and say, if anyone would come after me, and then all of a sudden you go, see, it's just like all those commercials. It says, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. No, 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 that's not like those commercials. You know, those commercials say, if you want to follow and you want to have this, you, want to, you can. And then all of a sudden, wait a minute, there's qualifications. I can't. Those are not qualifications. These are what you do after you choose. God's embracing us all. He says, anyone can come. Anyone can come. Don't eliminate yourself. Don't disqualify yourself. Don't make excuses. Anyone can come. And when you come, you will deny yourself, pick up your cross daily, and follow me. When you read that verse, it's anyone, but it's everything. Anyone can come. But then we come as followers of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine Matthew? He's sitting in that tax collector's booth, got the big house back home, got lots of money wherever he puts his money. He's hated and despised, but he's made a choice a long time ago. Who cares? And when Jesus says, follow me, he's walking away from it all. Remember when he called the fishermen? Follow me. They left their nets, they left their boats, and followed him. Jesus was a little bit tougher rabbi to follow than some of those other Jewish rabbis. They were more interested in teaching you information. When you follow Jesus, he's teaching you lifestyle. Not just information. And if you were going to follow Jesus, and if you were going to follow the rabbi, and, and you say, you know what? I'm in. I'm one of those anyone. I'm in. Well, if Jesus decides to live homeless, guess what? If Jesus decides to go where he's going to get persecuted, guess what? You follow him. You're a totally, completely committed follower of Christ. And if you were going to follow Jesus back then, it would cost you more than it would have cost anybody else. And it still costs us. 
Jesus decided to go amongst the sinners, you went amongst the sinners. And you know, we might have thought it'd be easy because we were right there with Jesus. Now, it would have been hard. These were Jewish people. They understood the culture. They knew that they were standing out and being different. They didn't fit in. This was a whole new model of faith. It wasn't just adding to the religion. You know what? Their lifestyles had to change. Now that doesn't mean you and I all got to go home and close out our bank accounts, give all our money away, sell our homes, sell our cars, get some sandals and go for a long walk. That's not what this is about. What it's about is, where's my heart? And as a follower of Jesus Christ, I need to know what Jesus wants me to do. Not what he wants you to do. As I've said before, the last thing we want to do is start looking down the, the row we're sitting in and saying, yeah, that one's got to get there. You know, No, it's, it's Lord, speak to me. Speak to my heart. Reveal yourself to me. Show me what it is. When we start to, to look around, we start to enter into sin and we become a fan and not a follower. So what Jesus offers here, the greatest teacher that's ever lived the greatest rabbi that's ever lived, ever walked the earth, is extending an invitation to every single one of us and says, anyone who wants to, follow me. And when it comes to all this other stuff of leaving behind, forsaking all, carrying your cross, picking up your cross, the good news is God gives you grace to accomplish all of that. What we have to do is just decide, yes, I'm going to follow Now, Lord, show me what it looks like for me. And I'll do it. Whatever He asks you to lay down, lay it down. Whatever He asks you to pick up, you pick it up. When He tells you to turn away from something, man, turn away from it. When He tells you to reach in your pocket and give somebody a $20 bill that you've never bet before, give them the $20 bill. If they're cold and they need a coat, give them your coat. If they're hopeless, walk up and put your arm around them and say, you know what? Brother or sister, I know you're hurting, but I want you to know there's hope. Encourage. Man, there are so many things that we, the Lord wants us to do that are so much simpler than you know, selling everything you own. He's interested in our heart. So when he says anyone, he means everyone. When he says everyone, the excuses go out the window. But when he does all that, it costs you everything. So, are you a fan or a follower? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you for the way barriers were removed by Jesus. God, that Jesus came to be the Savior of all mankind. He didn't come just for the Jews. He came for all mankind. He came for me. He came for every single one of us here. He doesn't look at me, doesn't look at any of us, going through his checklist to make sure we're good enough because we're not. He looks at us and says, if you want to come, follow me. Lord, I thank you that you died on a cross and you were raised from the dead and you extended that gift of offer of salvation to each one of us that we might become followers, your children, joint heirs with Christ. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone in this room today who does not know Jesus as their Savior in that way,
God, that you would really just touch their heart and let them know that you love them. And you're extending your invitation to them. The past does not matter. It's what we do when that offer comes. Do we accept it and surrender to you or to resist and go our own way? Lord, I thank you for the example of Matthew. Hated and despised. Tons of mistakes he's made. And you just said, come on, follow me. And now we read words he's written in your Bible. Lord, I praise you and thank you that there are people in this room who have not even scratched the surface of their destiny in Christ. That you have such a plan that goes beyond even what they could imagine as we follow you. Give us that grace to truly be followers of your son Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.